You're listening to the Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about the Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. Devotion. To persist, to persevere, to continue steadfast in, and to wait upon. Devotion. People are devoted to many things, and when you have one person who may be devoted to his or her job, on the other end of the spectrum, you have that person devoted to training their pet. Then you have that one person who's devoted to this lifestyle of adventure, no schedule, uncertainty, fun. And then you have the other who's devoted to schedule, sitting on the swing, relaxing, and finding a nice rhythm. Many are devoted to LSU, sports, some to the saints. Some are devoted to no sports at all. You're going to find devotion each individual person, something or some way. And as I reflect back, I want to invite you to do the same when I was a child. Do you remember a project or task that you simply could not leave undone. You had to finish. And on this Mother's Day, I remember I could not leave the dinner table until my dinner was finished. I could not. She was very devoted to that. Very devoted to chores being done and done right. Very devoted to us having a good time and enjoying life. Making the best of what we have. Mothers, thank you for your devotion. I was recently told that when I was younger and I would pick a hobby, I was the all-in kind of guy. I'd go and I'd get involved and I wanted to, I'd put the shutters and blinders on and I was straightforward looking at the task and wanted to complete it. So I began to think about some of these things that I was what I did when I was bringing, being brought up, and well, the first one that came to mind that I was devoted to was drums. I believe this was possibly my, one of my larger achievements when I was younger. I had a little green turtles, Ninja Turtle lunch bell. It was plastic. It wasn't the nice fancy metal ones, aluminum. But it had a nice thump to it. Nice warm sound, like that kick drum. Then I had a pan. I'd take this pan and I'd set my lap. Then I'd take a plate and I'd set it in a chair and I got two, number two pencils. And for the record, they weren't sharpened. And I'd just start playing. I put that, I propped that uh, Ninja Turtle lunchbox up in front of me and I'd just kick the top of it and I'd hit that pan and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but I sat on my single bed in my room and I just played and I played and I played and I was like, how does this work? And tried to figure it out. Let me remind you, there was no YouTube back then. There wasn't. We did not have access. Drums, at this point, was not welcomed in the church we were going to. So drums was something new on the scene, and I wanted to figure it out. So I began to play and began to play, and I began to figure out the counts and listening to my jars of clay CD. And finally, I got a job. And I got my job. I got my first real set of drums. 
Man, you like them, Winston and James. They have that metallic sparkle, pearl. I believe if I would have kept them today, I probably could, they probably might be sitting up there. They were beautiful, sounded great. I figured it out. I was devoted to playing the drums. I was also devoted to trail building. Did anybody else do that in here? Like behind our house, we just got out there and we built trails for miles and miles. My dad didn't care what was going on. I just, we just figured it out. In these tree houses, I wouldn't dare let my son get in. But we were devoted to finishing this task and we would work till dark or till the dinner bell. We'd build ramps, we'd jump these ramps, we'd get cuts and bruises, didn't care, get back on there and we were at it. We were devoted. And as I thought about this, I watched my son Boone and at four years old he locks in on something and he either finishes or gets frustrated. Finishes or gets frustrated, but he is devoted. But what... What does a four-year-old have to lock in and focus and finish the task that means so much to us, even though it may be so simple? We were committed. And it would literally consume hours of our day. And as you think about this, I realize this truth. It is how you and I are designed. We are designed, God designed you and I to be a devoted people. Think about it. Think about Adam. Think of the responsibility that he had. Dominion over all the beasts in the fields and the birds of the land and even named them. Noah. Just sit and let this resonate for a second. You're in your time spending with the Lord and all of a sudden, hey, uh, Casey, you want to build a, build a boat that's you know, the size of a football field or beyond? No. I don't want to. Think about Noah's faith and what he believed. He was devoted to finish this ark. And then you got Moses and then you have David in his pursuit of God from shepherd boy to king. Nehemiah, Daniel in the lion's den, Esther, Joseph and Mary, John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord. Then you have the disciples leaving everything they've known to follow our Savior. Devotion. And Peter preaching the day of Pentecost. Paul going from persecuting Christians to planning and gathering the church. The list goes on and on through Scriptures of those who reflect devotion in their life. But there is no other devotion that succeeds that of Jesus Christ and His love for His church. With understanding this design that you and I have, we know that one day, or even now, we will be devoted or we are devoted to someone or something. What are you devoted to? You've got to answer that question before we move any further in this series. Who are you devoted to and what are you devoted to? We look at the early church in Acts 2.42. If you turn with me in your, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2.42-47. We're going to start here and then we're going to jump over to John chapter 14. So as you're in your Bibles in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, let's read that together. And they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as anyone had need. In verse 46, 
And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. At the beginning of the year, I did a a, a message called The Church. And our commitment, our commitment to you as pastors and elders were to train you in the ways of being a devoted follower and then trusting the Spirit of Christ to bring and take root in your hearts and make fruit come alive. They were devoted to several actions here and elements. The first one was the Word, which we will elaborate on today. The Apostles' teachings. Second, the one another in fellowship. Third, prayer together in house meetings and large meetings. Fifth, things, breaking of bread. The Lord's Supper and Communion giving generously, life on mission together, and they gave all their gifts and talents to edify the church. Over the course of the next eight weeks, we're going to dive into what this looks like. We'll start in Acts chapter 2, 42, and verses uh, 42 through 47, and each time we'll spur off into another passage. Like this morning, we're going to look at our Savior's words, for He is the Word. And as He shares with us, we look at that first element that they were devoted to. It begins with, in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Let's stop there today. That's as far as we go in this passage. we got to understand they recognize that they were devoted to the Word of God, the apostles' teachings. This would be the teachings of Jesus Christ while He was here on earth. But who did God represent here on earth? Remember the passage we read Before the song we sang a while ago, John chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and Word was with God, and the Word was God. Knowing that the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, which came from the teachings of Jesus while here on earth, I would like us to look at the teachings of Jesus Himself. In chapter 14. So turn with me to John chapter 14, 22 through 31, as we look at it in greater detail. And this is where we're going to camp out. John chapter 14, 22 through 31. Let's read that together. John 14, 22 through 31. 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, How is it, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Let's stop there. So we're looking here at verse two. I mean, uh, John chapter fourteen, verse twenty-two. Let me give you a little context before we dive into this passage. With me, follow me here. Let's visualize maybe what played out in this scenario. Jesus in chapter thirteen has just washed the disciples' feet. Let that sink in. Our Savior, a servant and king, washed his disciples' feet. And Jesus, shortly after that, declared that one of his disciples 
was going to betray him. One of his disciples was going to betray him. And then he tells Peter, Peter, you are going to deny me. Now just remember now, Jesus just washed these, feet, these disciples' feet. One of you are going to betray me. One of you are going to deny me. And Jesus taught in Matthew, as we learned, that the church was going to be built on who? Peter. But he was able to look at Peter and speak to Peter and say, you're going to deny me. And knowing that knowledge, still gave that word to Peter saying, I'm going to build my church on you. And we saw it in the day of Pentecost prior to Acts chapter 2.42. So here we are, we're looking, Peter speaks, and I want to reference grace here. I want to bring to the forefront grace because Jesus is able to look at Peter and say, Regarding, regardless of you denying me, I'm still going to build my church on you. Jesus taught shortly after that He was the way and the truth and the life. And then He promised the Holy Spirit that helper. I could imagine here this teaching Jesus is giving to His disciples. This big truth here is that our works has nothing, nothing to do with His love for us. Our works has nothing to do with His love for us. Our works is a byproduct of His love for us. We learn that through James. As Jason and Joe faithfully preached the Word. Is our faith without works is dead. But our faith is alive and is at work because of the love of Christ. That is good news. Amen. That is good. Can you imagine the atmosphere here for a second? Jesus washing the feet, alright? Now He's going to, according to Mark, He's going uh, to sit down and recline at the table with His disciples. And the culture this is the way they ate their meal together. And they begin this meal, and then one of you are going to betray me. Ate a little bit. All right, Peter, you are going to deny me. Okay, now we're getting awkward. Then he teaches that he is the way and the truth and the life. And this, he will send a helper because it will fulfill all of Scripture. Have you ever been a part of that family meeting meal? All right, we've got to have a meeting, a family meeting. Yeah, you know. Jesus is getting real here. We've got to soak in here for a moment. Kind of what this picture is unfolding, what it's looking like. Now that we understand that, let's look at the first verse. John chapter 14, 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the Word? Let's start with who was Judas here. Judas, more than likely, was the son of James. But what we need to know is stated here in Scripture. It wasn't Iscariot. That's the important truth here. I love the eagerness behind this question here because he goes, how will you, Lord, make it clear to us and not the world? Calling Jesus Lord quickly puts Judas in his position under Jesus' authority. Pause. When you seek Christ... You call Him Lord. Remember that. This is Lord of your life. Governing 
kingship, sovereign. Lord, how will you manifest yourself to us and not the world? This looks like, to me, believes to be painting a picture that Jesus was approachable, very approachable man. Remember, he was reclining at the table. And one, you can be honest with Jesus in asking of your questions. So in handling the word of God, as we learn today, it's very important that you ask questions. Not just practically, but in your prayer time, spiritually. Lord, reveal to me your truth, your word. As Judas, he simply asked a question. So as we're looking there, Jesus spoke. Remember, he was the word and he word was with God. When Jesus spoke, God was there. Jesus spoke, it was God. And he was quick to answer in verse 23. He says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Here we have one of the most profound scriptures of the Trinity. The more we learn of Jesus, the more we understand the Trinity and its glorious mystery. That God says that He will come and make a home with us. Who is anyone? In verse 22, Judas clarifies two different groups. Remember at the end, he says, manifest yourself to us and to the world. Us, Christians, brothers and sisters, the world, non-believers. How will you manifest yourself to us? Anyone is those who confess in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Have you confessed this morning that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Have you got before a holy God and said, my life is devoted to you? That's between you and God. Devoted. I want to take us to one of my favorite uh, little reads that I do. It's called Gospel Transformation Bible. In the commentary here in verse 14, 15, let me read to you. It says, carefully note what Jesus actually says. If we love him, we will obey him. Jesus does not say if we obey him, he will love us. Here's the important truth here, the gospel. The gospel turns everything right side up. We can do nothing to earn or maintain a relationship with God. Our obedience merits us nothing, but our obedience is an essential affirmation of our love for Jesus. It is by Jesus' obedience that we are saved. Remember that. It is by His obedience, not ours, that we are saved. And it is by our obedience, compelled by the love of Christ, that we express our gratitude for such a great salvation. Your devotion is going to become compelled by this love of God in the Word. So we continue to read there. Excuse me. I want to bring this point in truth to you. I just kept ahead of my notes. 
Listen to me. Not all people are going to keep God's word. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to me and make our home with him. Not all people are going to hear God's word and understand it. That revelation is from the Spirit of Christ that we'll learn about the Helper. This is important to know because how we discern who loves Jesus and who just say that they do. You have two camps here. One that says, I love Jesus, and you see devotion. And then you have another that says, I love Jesus, and you see a life of whatever they choose and whatever they want. You see a life that is devoted to the Word and see it come alive in their life. But then we see a life that says I'm a Christian with no fruit. Or we see a life that learns the Word on its own. And then we have a life that just receives everything and takes everyone's Word for it without testing it. The reason I bring this to the forefront is because we need to understand this simple truth that those who keep the Word love Jesus. Plain and simple. For those who keep the Word love Jesus, and if we love Jesus, we will keep His Word. That word keep in Greek, tereo, I've been practicing, tereo, okay? It means to guard. It means to observe and to watch over. Now apply that to our text and ask this question, do you guard the Word of God? Do you observe it? Do you watch over it? As we study this passage, we're starting to see the seriousness of how important it is to know the Word, Jesus Himself, and know the Word, the Bible, and to see it come alive in our lives. Continue to read. It says, my father will love him. Who is him? He's talking to Judas here. But this is meaning him is meaning the church, how it applies to us. And it says we will continue to make him, again, the church, us, make our home with him. Gotta remember where we're at here and with the day of Pentecost, how it comes to our lives now. He says, then we here clarifies that you cannot get to the Father without the Son. You can't. You cannot get the Father without the Son. Jesus Christ is the only way to experience the love of the Father, and He'll come make His home with you. Jesus didn't say that I would love them. He says He, His Father, will love you. The Father's love. And how is this accomplished? Again, through Jesus Christ. It has been accomplished. We celebrate it on Easter. We celebrate it every day, this resurrection that gives us life, church. And we can understand it more and more by learning and studying His Word. And through Jesus, He will come and make a home. That word home meaning dwelling place. Think of that. Dwelling place. Triune God, the Trinity, Choosing to live inside of His creation. And now we become that temple to the day of the new earth in heaven. That should humble you. But it should flatter you. That's good news. 
that should motivate you, compel you. So Jesus Christ was very clear that if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. In verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And that the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So what does not keeping the word look like? It's the opposite. Very simple message today. I want you to grasp it. You do not keep the word. You do not guard it in your home. You do not guard it in your life. You do not observe it in your life. You do not observe it in your home. And you do not watch over it. If that stings a bit, let the Spirit of Christ move in you to calibrate a little bit. Sanctification, it happens. As this word becomes priority, it will change the way we live. We will experience the love of the Father. And he says, And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus Christ speaking on behalf of his Father. So in verse 14, 22 through 24, we learn the gravity of not keeping God's word. If we do not keep his word, we do not love. If we do not love, we do not truly know the love of the Father. Hear me. If we do not know to love, we do not truly know the love of the Father. If you are in that category, work out your salvation. Think about that. And then lastly, it says, if we do not know the Father's love, we are lost. We are lost. And I'm going to give you something I would say hard to swallow here. And I believe it's my responsibility to bring it forth. If you do not find yourself desiring to know God's Word more and more, you may be very well be playing what America calls church on Sunday. You need to work that out. If there's a pride and a flesh welling up in you right now, call it out. You need to adjust your spiritual life, adjust it. Don't live in condemnation. Learn from today in love and move forward. The Word of God is simple. Here's the good news. But if we learn the goodness of keeping God's Word, we experience all of God's love. Don't you want that? I mean, we can't just come here on Sunday and just hope this is all you get isn't listening to me. God desires to be with you Daily, in your life, working in you, your spirit revealing his truth to you. In verse 25, listen. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Seeing the Trinity again working together. Do not be scared of the Trinity. The, maybe not understanding it to its fullness. It has its mysteries, but we know that it works together and is one God. Three parts. Spirit works in your life. Reveals this Scripture to you. Convicts and compels you to this holy way of living. Jesus is important Holy Spirit is important. 
But God the Father is important too. You experience the Father's love through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. This is also, as he says, that the, the Helper will come and bring remembrance all to you that all that I have said. Knowing that some of these apostles would write books of the New Testament. He assured them that a Helper would come to remind them of their truth. They did not know this. That just shows the providential, the sovereignty of God working out salvation for you and I. Jesus was here on this earth to die and atone for our sins, to give us a way to reconcile with the Father. Then the Helper enters our lives even to this day. The Holy Spirit is alive and well, revealing truth. And the Helper is the teacher and brings all things to remembrance. And the Helper brings life into this Word. Remember, the Father sent the Son, and the Father sent the Holy Spirit. The Father sent us salvation. And we cling to this Word because it is a necessity for your growth as a disciple of Christ. Have you ever found yourself malnourished, needing water, dehydrated? You're just suppressed and weak. The Bible often teaches that we are attached to this vine. And this vine gives us life. We must abide in Christ. So in closing, we understand that God designed us this way to be a devoted people. It will come natural to you because you are devoted to something or someone. And then secondly, is that we have to guard and watch over and observe the Word of God. And the more we learn about Jesus, the more we study this Bible, the more we begin to understand what is at work at a macro level and a micro level. And it changes the way you live. It changes the way you see problems. It changes the way you see adversity. It changes the way you weep. And it changes the way you rejoice. My encouragement to you is just wrap your mind around this morning and ask the question, am I devoted? And the Father's Word, remember, was manifested through Jesus Christ. And it continues to manifest itself through us. Let it come alive. And it's astonishing. Astonishing that we are the room that the Trinity decides to take up residence and become a new temple among all nations. That's astonishing. In closing, I want to read John. I want to back up. John 14, 18 through 21. This is the first part of this conversation. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live and you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am the Father and you and me and I and you. And here's verse 21. Whoever, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. 
and I will love him and manifest myself to him. How do we love Jesus? By keeping his word. How does he manifest himself to us? By keeping his word. Think of Matthew chapter 28, the last part of that chapter. He teaches, Jesus teaches that we are to go to make disciples among all nations, teaching them to obey and observe. And then we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is the command of Jesus Christ Himself. And how are we to invite people to observe our lives if we are not observing the text ourselves? You need to wrestle with this. Are you keeping the Word of God? Are you devoted to God? 